everybody, it is Friday, August 3rd, 2018, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Ezelike, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. If you want to listen to previous episodes of the show, you can feel free to dig back into the archives at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN, or use any of the podcasting services that this is made available for free on, including Spotify Podcasts, which we landed on uh, just this past week. Um, so today's episode, like many others, is going to be a little bit shorter. We'll do a little bit of news, uh, some thoughts about some current trends in the industry, and then talk about a vehicle that's on my mind. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about the news that, uh, well, Sergio Marchionne, the former CEO, head of Fiat Chrysler, has passed away. Some thoughts about what he did, what he was doing, and how Chrysler is going to move past that. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the news that Ford may be unveiling a small, focus-based pickup truck in the very near future, and uh, that should be about it on the news front. On the car culture front, we're going to talk about convertibles, more specifically four-seat convertibles, and how they've almost entirely disappeared. And then to follow up on that, we'll talk a little bit about a car that's on my mind. Uh, Tied directly to that previous segment, uh, my grandma is getting rid of her Volkswagen Cabrio in the very near future. Some thoughts on that car and uh, some of the weird things that I'm connected to with that vehicle. Uh, Yeah, so with all that in mind, guys, we'll follow up with the news after the bump. So, Sergio Marchionne, a guy who I had some disagreements with, but definitely did admire, uh, the former head of Fiat Chrysler, he was the CEO of Ferrari kind of at the same time, uh, passed away recently due to some health complications that there's still a lot of mystery about. Uh, he announced a little while ago that he was going to be leaving due to health care issues, and then he passed away almost suddenly, it seemed like a week or two after uh, that announcement was made. Um, it was complications with surgery that was being done to treat some kind of medical issue. And it's really unfortunate because Sergio, uh, for for uh, the lack of a better way to describe it, you know, he was full of ideas but not so much on the execution front. He was a guy that demanded a lot of performance and sometimes got it, uh, but really, he, he, he was a hammer, uh, uh, if there was a tool uh, way to describe this. He smashed his way through the industry to get what he needed, and that was that. And that was why Fiat had exploded in popularity so much in the later part of the 90s, the early aughts, um, into the early 20-teens, and it was under his leadership, his demand for performance, that things got much better for the company. But at the same time, uh, there were still a lot of issues with expansion in terms of financial profitability, in terms of uh, them remaining solvent in many fronts. Uh, the brand Lancia completely withered under his tutelage and has basically been killed by FCA. Um, you know, there's ups and downs to what happened. He made Jeep the not just American icon, but a global icon that it is now uh, under his leadership at FCA. And, you know, for all things considered, buying Chrysler wasn't exactly the best idea at the time. And now it's a huge deal that FCA has made so much money with these brands. And it's really unfortunate to see somebody like him 
I don't want to quite call him a Steve Jobs of the automotive industry, but definitely of that ilk where his ideas are better than anybody's and it's going to be his way or the highway. And that was it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to miss it. There's a lot of those guys that are getting up there in age and they're going to start being gone in the very near future. I'm thinking of Carlos Goshen from Nissan and Renault. I'm thinking of uh, people like uh, Bob Lutz, well, who's already retired. He was a former head at GM and Chrysler uh, many years ago. We just don't have people like that anymore. And it's really unfortunate. So, Sergio, I'm sure we will all miss you, but... Uh, yeah, FCA's got a lot of work cut out for them in the near future to uh, fix things that have been going on. So in slightly better news, Ford may be working on a new small pickup truck based on the Ford Focus. What it would be called, it's hard to say, but this is definitely something where they are catering to former uh, Ford uh, Ranger owners who aren't exactly happy that the new Ranger is such a big truck. Um, if you haven't seen the 2019 Ford Ranger in person, it is more or less a two-thirds size F-150, which still makes it a very big pickup truck. Um, even though that is going to be available with a diesel, it's going to have some smaller turbo engines in it, um, it's it's not as fuel efficient as what, is it, as what it could be, and these former Ranger owners are demanding something smaller. So, something like this based on the new Focus going to be a decent size something like this based on the new focus it's going to be able to take a wide variety of powertrains something like this based on the new focus should have a somewhat decent payload capacity but it's hard to know for sure fiat um, as i've mentioned on this podcast before or before does sell a tiny little itty bitty uh, pickup truck in Mexico called the Ram 750, which a lot of people have been wondering if that will ever come to the United States. Uh, the Ram 750 is somewhere in size between like a Fiat 500 and a Jeep Renegade. Um, it's it's enough to carry, you know, four people uh, and a bit of their stuff uh, inside and outside in that tiny truck bed. Uh, it's not going to have a hu huge payload capacity. It's not going to have a huge towing capacity, but you know, it's enough to be able to tow a, a small trailer with you know, maybe a jet ski or a motorcycle or two. Um, so Ford, I think, is on the right track here. You know, there are a lot of people who live in inner cities, uh, maybe a little bit more congested suburbs where a pickup truck like this makes some level of sense. Um, it's it's a smart move. So I'm interested to see what Ford does. I, th I don't think we should poo-poo this idea quite yet. Will we see it as soon as Detroit in 2019? Maybe this seems like something that would be more likely to be shown at the Los Angeles Auto Show, but if it's not coming till potentially as early as 2021 or 2022, we may be waiting for quite a while. So, we shall see. Convertibles! What are they good for? Well, presumably putting your body in UV light, uh, enjoying the open air, hearing everything that's going on around you, and then telling everybody else around you how horrible your music taste is. Uh, convertibles kind of came back. Uh, they were gone throughout most of the 70s. Uh, in the 80s, they wanted to make a convertible out of everything, including the Dodge Dakota pickup truck. In the 90s, you could get Chevy Cavalier convertibles, and, you know, everything was had a top removed by even, you know, random companies like McLaren. They were taking tops off of cars. 
And then we got to like the 2000s and it really started kind of whittling down further and further. And now where we are in 2018, they're just gone. Um, if you really go out there and you look at convertibles, yes, you've got cars like the Corvette, the BMW Z4, the Mazda Miata. So many other sports cars uh, do come with the top off. But in the traditional sense of four seat uh, convertibles, they really don't exist. Uh, Audi, I believe, makes, what, the A5 and the A3 convertibles. I believe, believe BMW does a uh, 2 Series and a 4 Series convertible. Uh, Mercedes, I believe, still offers some tiny uh, convertibles as well. But they're gone. And if you can find them, they're prohibitively expensive. And it's very strange uh, how tastes have kind of shifted. And the reason why we're kind of getting into this segment here is uh, my grandma is looking to replace her cabrio, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, and it's it's tough to find cars like this. Um, on the cheaper end, you know, you've got stuff like the Mustang and the Camaro, uh, but they aren't exactly the easiest cars to get into for somebody who's now in their 80s. Uh, you've got cars like the Mazda Miata, which of course would be what I would want, but I don't think an 80-year-old woman uh, would want to be speeding around an MX-5 uh, trying to get to knitting class or to the grocery store. So, weird. Weird that this is where we're at. And it's definitely partially to blame on the craze for CUVs and crossovers and SUVs and whatever other EUV name that they give themselves. Uh, and that's why we had monstrosities like the Nissan Murano convertible just a few short years ago and the current Land Rover uh, Evoque convertible that's uh, still on sale. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know what you would do if you wanted to get a new convertible these days. It seems like the only one that I would maybe potentially be interested in is the Audi A3 convertible. Uh, but in Michigan prepped conditions with all-wheel drive and an automatic, you're still looking at a $45,000 convertible, which is out of the question. Uh, especially when you consider it's little more than a tarted-up Golf with the roof chopped off. So, yeah, convertibles. I don't know what's going on. I hope you don't have to buy one anytime soon. Last up, a car that's on my mind, it's the third generation Volkswagen Cabrio, Cabriolet, whichever name you want to call it. It is the golf-based convertible that Volkswagen sold for many years uh, here in the United States. Uh, first based on the Fox, then the Golf, then the Golf, and then the Golf. So uh, the Cabrio uh, ended production in uh, 2002. Uh, it was a car that technically was based on the third generation Golf and Jetta, uh, even though it had styling cues both uh, inside and out that matched it up to the then-current MK4 uh, Jetta and Golf. What's good about the car? Well, you know, it's relatively simple underneath. You know, you've got multi-link uh, suspension. You've got a, uh, you know, struts, all that stuff. It's it's the basic bare-bones minimum for what would have been needed at the time. It's got a 2-liter engine with a 4-speed automatic. Fuel economy is just okay, but it's a nice car. And that's the weird thing about these cars. I mean, this was the end of the four-seat convertible movement. Uh, Volkswagen went years without a four-seat convertible until the EOS debuted uh, later on down the line based on the MK5 architecture that went underneath the Golf and the Jetta. Uh, this Cabrio, uh, you know, 
it's it's interesting every time I drive this car. I did a lot of my driver's training in this vehicle. Um, I did a lot of learning how to drive, do speed control, things like that in this convertible. Uh, it is a car that is dead simple to operate. All of the buttons and switches are near enough exactly where you think they are. It's only got a CD player. It's got just basic stuff. It's It's beautiful almost in its simplicity. And it's interesting because... You know, this car was a 20-some-odd-thousand-dollar car when it was brand new, and today, even with only 40,000 miles on it, it's maybe worth four grand. And that's kind of a steal. And as we're continuing to shop for a new car for my girlfriend, uh, the idea of a Cabrio, my grandma's Cabrio, to replace her Jeep has kind of come up, where we would have next-to-no car payment, fuel economy would be maybe slightly better on average, and in theory, there would be almost nothing to fix on a regular basis, and that's kind of appealing, and it kind of makes you wonder if we're ever going to see an explosion for these cars in popularity again. After all, they're dirt cheap. After all, they are readily available. After all, they're easy to fix and maintain, so... Yeah, if you haven't gone out and looked at a Volkswagen Cabrio as of late, if you can see one sometime in the near future, if it's in good shape, give it a good look over and kind of just marvel at the simplicity with which Volkswagen designed this car. It's fantastic. Alright guys, that just about ends this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, you can dive back into older episodes of the show by following us here on Anchor FM at anchor.fm slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. Uh, you can also follow me on many of the podcast platforms, including iTunes Podcast, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, many others. Uh, if you're listening on there, you like what you hear, make sure you give us a rating. That helps us get other viewers out there to uh, pick up on the show. And uh, yeah, if you guys ever have any feedback, you can drop me a line here on Anchor FM at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. Leave me a voicemail and I can include it in the show. Uh, as far as other things go, if you want to know more about me, my name is Brad Ezeldeg. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash YSSMAN, where I talk about cars and politics and many other things. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, we do another version of the show called The Salvage car or excuse me salvage title car buyer's guide uh where we dive deep into a selection of car models a particular genre if you will uh, i pick out three t three cars that i think are obviously the best and then a fourth one for flavor that just might be worth looking at just to see something a little bit different um yeah so anyway it is august which feels really weird fall is speeding at us like a train um you know, you either got to stay on the tracks or you got to get off. Car show season is approaching, uh, especially with the classic cars around here in Michigan. It starts getting fun in the later weeks of the month. So if you got an old car, if you got a cool car, make sure you polish it up. Get it out there. Let people see it. Touch it. Smell it. Uh, maybe don't smell it too hard. And, uh, you know, enjoy yourself. So until the next episode, guys, I hope you have a good weekend. And we'll see you again very soon on the Salvage Title Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.